Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Brusky and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel, which includes Jorna Taylor. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna, welcome. Good morning. Always good to have you. And Robert Craig is also here with us today. Robert's the Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert. Good morning, everyone. Good to have you back. Robert's been on the road. We are going to start talking very specifically about uh, the bills we've been talking about for the last three weeks, and that is the series of bills around GAB and campaign finance changes that will essentially end our current nonpartisan government accountability board and uh, radically change our campaign finance structure. Uh, The Senate has not held uh, two previously uh, scheduled meetings to try to, to pass this legislation, but it does appear as of the recording here Thursday morning that they've come to an agreement uh, Luther, the the lion, has has roared and and has has two things. It looks like two changes that we're going to see uh, in in the bills. One would be that when they close the government accountability board and split it off, that the ethics part, not the elections part, will remain having two retired judges. The other is they're going to continue. It looks like to keep. Uh, uh, tracking the employer names or the, the employer of uh, folks who donate uh, more than I believe it's a hundred dollars to uh, to candidates otherwise these things are going through as is and as we know from uh, the discussion the last couple of weeks these things are, are still incredibly stinky Jorn I assume these these two minor changes aren't uh, haven't swayed you in any way Gosh, I'm so supportive of this bill now. <laughs> Can't even imagine. Um, so that everybody knows, there has been a special session called for the Wisconsin State Senate that will happen on Friday. So yeah. it, they'll go in sometime af- as you're listening to this podcast sure. when it arrives in your email inbox. Um, these are changes that, on the ethics board side, you know, disappointing, fine. You know, maybe there's a little bit of independence there, but I don't really think so. You know, and great, they're going to continue to track donor information. I mean, frankly, that'll just make it easier for Republicans to figure out exactly which bills they need to write because they can just take a look at the employer list and, Ooh, and help tally them up and, yeah, and, and write bills that way. Um, you know, the Assembly has said that it's not going to go into session to pass these bills until mid-month, but, you know, I really I think that that's a farce as well because we know how trustworthy um, leadership has been. And look, as um, as the Senate leader Fitzgerald said, he's got the votes or they wouldn't be going to the floor. So while we put up a valiant effort to fight back against this stuff, they're going to the floor and it's going to pass. Yeah, it was a scintillating defense of his policy. We got the votes. We got the votes. Robert? Yes, uh, great democratic ethics <laughs> uh, for the world's greatest, oldest democracy. So, by the way... I mean, it's good that we're going to know employees contribute contributing because that's the way we used to be able to figure out like what the health insurance industry or pharma was up to and all the other fine folks who try to buy policy in Madison. Uh, but let's face it, the coordination stuff, which stays in here, which allows coordination following the Supreme Court decision, state Supreme Court, with the, for that great collection of jurists that carefully yes. considered all the constitutional ramifications, not... Uh, means that uh, the large corporations just give dark money 
uh, and spend ad money all over the state. Just not use the magic words, vote for, vote against, like you even need to have that. And uh, then and then we have no idea because it's dark money and the candidates can work with them, direct where the money is going to be spent, all the things Walker did to cheat in the recall election. So uh, it, we don't need the, the little nicety of getting your employees to give money, uh, to hard money to candidates anymore anyway. So this is completely face-saving. And again, the line of Ripon roared and a meow came out of his mouth. So look, if you're listening to this, please still call your senator. This hasn't this potentially hasn't happened as of Friday and people need to hear from you just cuz they're suggesting now and Luther's the only one who's really come out saying he's for it for these. We know there's other senators out there. Please keep the pressure up. So, we're going to change topics now and we we want to spend a couple of minutes talking about the terrible news uh, about the closing of the Oscar Mayer plant in Madison. This is a plant that has been around forever, it seems like, in Madison and has employed thousands of people and continues up to this day to employ over a thousand people. And the news came out that they will be shutting down and phasing down over the next uh, year to two years. So we have asked uh, Representative Chris Taylor to join us. Chris represents uh, the district where the plant is to talk a little bit more about this and why this is uh, obviously a, a tough day in Madison. Chris, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit more. Obviously, you got the news yesterday. Right. Um, tell us, let our listeners know, not everyone lives in Madison, but everyone knows about Oscar Mayer. Right, right. But right. tell us more about well, how important where it is. It started right in Madison. Oscar Mayer has been here for, gosh, almost a hundred years. They're really part of the fabric of our community and of our state. Um, they have made such incredible contributions to our community through supporting efforts through the United Way, to partnering with East High School, adopting East High School, and employing a lot of people um, with you know a good living wage job. So obviously the the news that they were um, kind of packing it up and shutting the factory down, which will be phased out over the next 12 to 24 months, but with a pretty quick uh, move of a lot of the corporate, the more administrative employees down to Chicago, is totally devastating. It's totally devastating to the families and the workers involved. A lot of these um Employees have been there for a long, long time, um, and it's also, you know, I think devastating to the entire state. We have had, just this year, uh, almost 9,400 layoffs. Um, that is more than the layoffs that occurred in the entire 2014, and this is going to add to that, obviously. So those are bad, bad signs. Um, you know, as we continue as a state to kind of slug along economically, you can see the focus, the wrong focus of the Republicans in the state legislature and the governor. You can just look at our agenda in the assembly over the last two weeks. They've taken their eye off the ball. The ball should be moving our economy forward, creating family supporting jobs. You never hear my Republican colleagues talk about that. What they want to talk about is gutting our campaign finance laws so their own campaign pockets can benefit. They want to talk about eliminating the Government Accountability Board, which is a national model for nonpartisan um, 
regulation of our elections and of our ethics. And, you know, they are more interested in allowing people to carry concealed knives. That was another issue that they brought up. They have taken their eye off the ball. Now, there's a lot of complex factors at play here. I mean, obviously, you know, Oscar Mayer was acquired by Kraft uh, several decades ago. Kraft merged with Heinz very recently this year. So there's a lot of other factors at play here, too. These are two big national, international corporations that merged. But the fact of the matter is, is we're not, this governor and these Republicans in the legislature are not doing what we need to do to attract and retain business and to keep the best and the brightest here in the state by creating living wage jobs. So certainly when you look at the failure of the Republicans to invest in our infrastructure. You know, we just had this debate yesterday in the Joint Finance Committee about financing roads. Um, and Republicans really have been unwilling to look at a long-term sustainable funding source for that. That's an important thing for companies. They look at that. When you look at the um, huge uh, cut to the UW system, $250 million. No state's doing that. No state is cutting their public university like that because they understand that the key to a 21st century economy is an educated workforce. You know, we've had historic cuts to K-12 public education. Those are bad indicators for companies. They look at this. They look at the investments that states are making in deciding whether to stay and come to a state. So, you know, the Republicans need to get their heads out of the sand and start focusing on the issues that the people of this state need them to focus on. Because, they, you know, we're, we're talking about everything but how to create the jobs that our state desperately needs. Hey, Chris, uh, this is Robert. Uh, I think you put it very well, but if you look at the economic numbers, they're extremely disturbing. Uh, almost all the jobs we lost during the recession were middle-class jobs. All, the only net jobs we've had during the alleged recovery has been poverty wage, low-wage right. jobs. And we've had a, our middle-class shrink more than any other state in the country. Right. And so the, the, the Oscar Mayer situation is it's kind of more visible. Those are visible right. family-supporting jobs. But this is happening in a less visible way all over the state all the time. Right. And the conservative response to this in the legislature is, I think I can hear them, crickets, right? There's nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And they're changing okay. the subject and talking about other stuff. So it's, it's, it's the complete lack of any strategy or any understanding of what the primary challenge of this state is, which is that we're losing uh, uh, access to the middle class and economic right. opportunity at a rapid rate. Uh, every yes. day, every month. And the Oscar Mayer situation is just an example of that. If this happened in a growing, robust economy that didn't just had enough jobs and enough good jobs, we'd be concerned about it, but we'd know other companies were coming in and other jobs were being created, and none of that's happening. Right. No, you're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. I mean, the Pew Research Center identified our state as one of the states that had the largest collapse of the middle class and of middle income wages. And these manufacturing jobs are so important because they, this is where the middle income wages come in, you know, and that is so important to have these kinds of jobs that our middle income wages are good family supporting wages. And you're absolutely right. The Austin Meyer situation is emblematic of a problem that is occurring throughout our state. And that is 
that middle income wages have not increased. They've stagnated, and the jobs that are being created are poverty wage jobs. So, you know, it is a crisis in our state, in my opinion. It is the most important issue that we can work on. Um, and I don't hear, and I bring this up, I brought, I brought this up every time we're on the floor. Why are we focusing on these issues that are before us? You know, we, I mean, we passed a law, you know, just this week that allows women to wear pink camouflage when they hunt. And I don't have anything against that. That was a bipartisan bill. I think I was even on that bill. But that's not going to put money in the pockets of women and working families. That's not going, what families need us to be focused on is creating these jobs, but also addressing their real needs. And those are affordable, quality child care. Uh, you know, being able to afford to send their kids to college, making sure people aren't fired when they have to care for a sick, sick child or an aging parent. Those are the real issues that we should be addressing. Those are the issues that support middle-class families, and those are the issues that enable people who are struggling to get in the middle class to get in the middle class. So we are not, these Republican legislators and this governor are not focusing on these key issues. And every time we're on the floor, I brought this up. Every single time we're addressing these bills that do nothing to help anybody but them. I mean, these Republican legislators are more concerned with protecting their own backsides than protecting the backs of the people, the hardworking people of the state of Wisconsin. And this Oscar Mayer closing is emblematic of that. Um, and losing a manufacturing base is really, really devastating to middle-income people. I mean, that's the reality. And so, you know, there's lots of things we can do. That's why I'm very, very hopeful. I mean, there's lots. We know how to make things here. And there's lots of things that we could make. And so why aren't we having that discussion? Why aren't we trying to look at new industries? Why aren't we trying to support industries like bioscience that are the industries of the future rather than trying to rip them down? And so the initiatives I see coming out of these Republicans are damaging, are actually damaging our economy. They are more concerned with this right-wing ideology than actually uh, doing the work of the people of the state. You know, we can see this with this attack that we continue to have on bioscience. And those jobs employ a lot of people. So, you know, they want to, they want to, there's proposals that would destroy our biomedical research industry. Um, so what I see is more damage coming out of this legislature um, and really taking their eye off the ball. And that's been the case this whole entire legislative session. Well, Representative Taylor, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank and you. We, I appreciate it. You know, it's a, it's a tough day and it's, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna be hard to try to figure out how to, you know, make up for this loss, but uh, the yeah. folks in Madison are lucky to have you and we appreciate you taking the time today. Oh, thanks so much. All right, great. Sure. Thank you. If I could just add one more quick thing on this, you know, we talk about these great manufacturing jobs and these great industry jobs that are now going to be leaving, that have been leaving our state in droves, we don't necessarily always think about them being in a place like Madison. And we think about manufacturing in, you know, more rural Wisconsin. We think about it in Milwaukee, Racine, Kenosha. But this is going to be a devastating effect on the Madison economy because there just isn't that same sort of 
base of jobs as well, like we have manufacturing jobs. Well, we used to have manufacturing right. jobs in southeastern Wisconsin. So I really, I think this is going to hit the Madison workforce even harder than than it may in other places. And I so I just think that that's an important thing that we need to keep in mind as these folks are going to need job retraining and we're, oh wait, not supporting that either. And we're not supporting incentives for other companies to come into Madison for these workers. So we are going to switch gears here and uh, talk a little healthcare um, this week. In fact, I believe it was Sunday, was the reopening of the exchanges for the Affordable Care Act. This is the third year and... Uh, we've been informed that the website is better than ever and we're not going to have any, any more of those old hiccups. Um, but the big question this year is going to be sign-up. There's concerns that uh, sign-up may not be as rigorous as it had been in the previous cycle. And so there's a lot of efforts underway to try and make sure that folks are aware who are eligible to get signed up. Robert, why don't you tell us a little bit more about both open enrollment, opening up, and efforts uh, to sign folks up. And we're not calling it the exchanges anymore. It's uh, just our, our message. It, it's uh, the federal marketplace is more understandable. People, I apologize. People, Noted. people Noted. think exchanges are stock markets and don't necessarily love them. So anyway. Well, have been trading in them, though. So. Right, right. <laughs> so obviously the importance of this is it's another year. There's another open enrollment. And the Affordable Care Act is still here. And it's here to stay. And so the whole exercise, annual exercise, demonstrates that there is somewhere to go to get health care no matter what. Uh, the issue is, of course, that a lot of the low-hanging fruit people who were chomping a big bit to get health care have already gotten it the last two open enrollment sessions, and so it becomes harder and harder to get all of the other pe the people who are less connected, uh, less understanding of, of the fact that there is subsidized health care that, that's affordable uh, with tax credits to do it. The other thing is people need to shop because we're dealing with private insurance. That was the big compromise, and they change the deductibles, they change the rate, so people shouldn't just stay in one plan if they are enrolled. So open enrollment is also the time when you can shop and figure out what's the best plan for you and your family, what's the best balance between premiums and deductibles, and those are related. And, you know, the Walker administration wouldn't put out the research on this. Uh, they, they're the only state that didn't publish the rates, but we crunched the numbers. Kevin Kane on our staff crunched the numbers. And we're talking about about an average 4% increase statewide, though it's all over the map. Some cities are much higher than other cities, some lower. Uh, but overall, a 40% increase in deductibles. So there's a big shift into the deductibles. And deductibles are when you start getting insurance. You pay them, and then once you complete your deductible, then you start actually getting insurance. So that's a big deal for folks. And so people really need to be careful on how they shop and we at the state level need to start actually working on health care costs because the sum total of the Walker health care approach is undermine the Affordable Care Act and sabotage it. That is their health plan. Uh, and public is sick and tired of that. So there are a lot of efforts to, uh, uh, to uh, get the message out. In fact, legislators around the state and members of Congress are doing robocalls uh, where they are alerting people who, who might well be eligible uh, that open enrollment is, in, is going on and they should either enroll if they're not, if they don't have good insurance at work, or if they already have marketplace insurance, they should shop again to make sure they have the best plan for themselves and their families. Well, 
I'm thinking of the robocalls. Has that been tested? No, I'm just kidding, Robert. That's a joke. Um, so speaking of those auto calls that have been good. Weird. When I hear that term robocalls, okay, robo-cop, I'm like robocalls. So just kidding. So uh, I listeners, will, you should have hey, seen the accompanying I need um, to dis- dance moves. Oh yes, they, they were good. They were recorded by real legislators, <laughs> so there was not a there was not a robot simulation. <laughs> <laughs> when I heard that, that's what I'm thinking of like Robocop announcing. You can sign up for Affordable Care Act. Probably do very well. (laughs) (laughs) So, but the reason I bring this up, the reason I distract and annoy Jorna, it's true, is because (laughs) we are going to have a special guest with us. That is Representative Joe Costa Zamaripa, and she is one of those state legislators who recorded an auto call with us. So we are very excited to have Representative Joe Costa Zamaripa, and as I mentioned, she has recorded a auto call to her constituents who we think are most likely to be eligible for the Affordable Care Act uh, uh, to get onto the marketplace. And so, Representative, why don't you tell us a little bit more about why you recorded the calls and why you think this is so important for, for your community? Well, I think uh, the Affordable Care Act is um, one of the big victories um, during President Obama's tenure, and it's really important in our, as you know, Matt, I represent the largest Latino community in the great state of Wisconsin, and um, as much as we always talk about how important immigration is to our community, and it is, health care is definitely... um, at a close second or even tied. Um, so, so access to health care is important, and especially for my um, Latino community, which we have a lot of blended families, uh, folks that maybe one family member is undocumented, one is a citizen, another is a legal permanent, permanent resident. And it, it's important for me to get the message out there um, that those that are U.S. citizens and um, residents um, can certainly and should sign up for the Affordable Care Act, especially now that... Um, you know, open enrollment is going on through January, isn't that right? That is correct. Absolutely. So you are absolutely right. This is Robert, our representative, that uh, uh, a lot of people in the Latino community don't know they're eligible, uh, and they, and so there's an issue there. And, and by the way, the polling shows uh, the Latino community strongly supports the Affordable Care Act when it knows about it but knows less about it. So there's a real education uh, need out there. But then we have this other problem that uh, in, in a, one of the worst things that happened on the Affordable Care Act debate is, is that they excluded uh, people who are, who are not documented. They not only don't get subsidies, they can't even buy the coverage. Uh, which is just stunning, even though they're living in our community. So states like California have gone and and started filling that gap with uh, the state covering those people. And so that's something Wisconsin needs to do, and we're going to be talking about down the road, and I know, I know we'll work with you, Representative, on that. Uh, but, at, but we still need to make sure that everyone is eligible, knows about it, and, uh, and can enroll. And so we're very, you're helping us do that, which is great in terms of talking to your own constituents. Uh, but then in addition, people who are enrolled need to shop because the plans change every year. And our analysis shows a 40% increase in deductibles statewide. So it's very important that people not just stay in one plan, but shop during open enrollment and make sure that they're getting the best deal, a plan that covers what they need covered, has the best balance between premiums and deductibles, and covers the health providers that they want want covered if it's, an, if it's a narrower network. Very good. I guess a kind of follow-up here. Do you... Uh, what is your sense, Representative, on on the Latino community and its in its relation to the healthcare healthcare issue in generally? Do you feel like that there's uh, that this, that 
there's a lot of interest in, in knowing more about, about health care law and, uh, and people's health care options in the community? Absolutely. I think that there's, um, you know, I have uh, the great honor of representing the largest Latino population in the state. I also, unfortunately, um, represent the district that has the lowest voter turnout in the state. And so civic engagement is not what it should be. Uh, And and so it's important for for us and and for me as a leader in the community to make sure that, that I'm helping to get information out there to the community. I think when they do receive it, you know, there's certainly um, they're grateful and, and they appreciate it, but they really we've got to get more information out there and make sure people are very educated about what their options are um, and and that they're out there, as you said, shopping around and getting signed up um, during open enrollment, which is only open through January. So we, we've got to get the word out, and they do appreciate the information. Well, Representative, this is Jorna. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, it's It's got to be interesting to be out there among your district and among the Latino community in terms of how families are coming from a variety of different places and statuses to even start engaging in these conversations about open enrollment and health care and when some folks are eligible and some are not. It, it's got to be quite the undertaking and lengthy process to educate folks on what what is available to them. Yeah, it can be, especially with, uh, as I said, those blended families where perhaps there's a, a parent in the household who is undocumented or a member of the family who is undocumented while others are, are in fact, documented, citizen or resident. Um, they'll often still stay away from something like signing up for the Affordable Care Act because there's a real fear out there with this growing and growing and growing anti-immigrant sentiment um, that they still they don't want to do it, even though they know there is a member of the family or members of the family that are eligible. Um, they know they have a blended family. They, they know there's undocumented family members, and that strikes uh, some fear in the family. And so it's important for me. Um, remember, I remember the first time, you know, when we were just getting folks to sign up for, for Affordable Care Act, we just recorded some Spanish language interviews and, and um, public service announcements so I could really explain to them to not be fearful, you know, that it was written into the legislation, if I'm not mistaken, um, that they, folks couldn't use this, um, the Health Care Act, to go after uh, folks um, undocumented status, who are undocumented. Well, we, we agree we, here at Citizen Action. We think it's a huge issue in um, we're really excited to announce that we're going to be hiring an organizer who will help work within the Latino community statewide on health care uh, in particular. We see this as a critical issue and, and hope we can provide a little bit more support and, and help uh, get the word out and uh, increase uh, the education and knowledge level of, as you have pointed out, is an incredibly can be very complicated. Uh, but we're very excited about that and look forward to partnering with you you know, in the future on that. Um, one thing that I want to get your comment on, you mentioned about the uh, anti-immigration uh, uh, sort of sentiment that's being whipped up out there, and I really want to get your thoughts on uh, the immigration issue and our, our new Speaker of the House, um, and he is uh, obviously Representative Ryan, who has uh, c- came out this past week very strongly stating that he would not even take on the immigration issue as long as Obama's president. This seems to be, doesn't seem like much change or, or any change, but uh, this seems like a, a big misstep to us and given how important I, we think the Latino vote's going to be in 2016. Very much like to get your comments both on Paul Ryan's position and how it may impact the election. 
Yeah. Um, so Congressman Paul Ryan has now flip-flopped, much like our governor um, does frequently, right? Uh, on immigration, it's, it's, I'm immensely disappointed to hear, um, hear him now say that he's not going to bring up uh, immigration at all now that he's in this uh, leadership position after in, uh, after in the past beginning to to really speak very positively positively um, around immigration reform we now have him we now have him signing off on an anti-immigrant reform letter um, to this representative Mo Brooks and and promising members of the of the far right House Freedom Caucus that he won't allow immigration reform legislation. Um, and I just think it's it's deplorable, especially I had a personal conversation with Congressman Ryan when he was starting to see the light, if you recall, a couple of years ago, and Republicans were starting to kind of come out in favor of comprehensive immigration reform. Now we have him in this leadership position where it's really important for, to have a leader that's going to show valor and take up this, this issue that is very difficult, but you do it because you're a leader and you have to have that valor. And now we see him backing away from those previously positive statements around immigration reform. Very disappointing, but not surprising at all when it comes to dealing with Republican leaders. And he's offering this ridiculous justification. In fact, he has a USA Today editorial yesterday, that is Wednesday, where he says it's because the president can't be trusted because he went and did executive orders that they think are, went too far. And so therefore, they're going to wait till there's a new president. So that's like the fig leaf. Um, I guess we'll be much better off waiting for, what, President Trump or President Carson or maybe President Cruz, because he's moving up, uh, rather than actually doing something which the congressman knows full well is the right thing to do, and that is uh, to take people who are contributing to our society and want to be Americans and create a true path to citizenship and to regularize their, their presence here, because they are part of our, our neighborhoods, part of our community, and part of our economy. And we're a nation of immigrants. And when I heard, and I heard that same, you know, I, I absolutely heard him give those those Republican talking points about how we can't um, we can't work with the president on immigration because he went around Congress with the executive order. Well, he did that because Congress is so dysfunctional, and they don't have the valor, they don't have the courage to address the divisive issue of of immigration reform. And so he did what he had to do. And and millions and millions of immigrant families across this uh, country appreciate that the president had the valor to step forward and do something in absence of any real action in the Congress. And it sounds like he's going to continue that dysfunction um, and, and not have, again, not have the courage to, to bring up this, this topic. Well, you know, everybody knows that I am officially on Ryan Watch nonstop, and so it's interesting to see what the election was about a week ago, and he was the, quote, consensus candidate. So, you know, it's starting to come out. What What is Ryan's leadership really going to be? And I think that it's going to be interesting to watch. I think he's going to be more of a transition type of, quote, leader um, rather than you know, he's already backing off of things that he has cared passionately about. He's going to have to back off of his entitlement reform agenda. He is he is going to be sort of a stopgap measure, in my opinion, because you're going to see things like the Freedom Caucus sharks circling to go in for the kill the minute that he does something that is so against their stated agenda. I mean, it's it's going to be maybe the start and end of his um, rise to stardom, as it may be. Yeah, and I, I shudder to think what it's going to do. Or I mean, maybe I'm actually very happy what it's going to mean for the 
for the general, you know, because as people continue to talk about Rubio will ultimately emerge um, and be our first Latino president, which, of course, as a as a Hispanic, I feel that does strike some pride in me. But at the same time, I know what these guys are going to do. They are going to get again and again, kick the can down the road and not have not have the cajones to, to address the issue of immigration reform. And, and I'm, what Ryan is doing here is setting the stage. I think in the end it's going to hurt him for the, hurt his presidential nominee um, for the general election in 2016, and that bodes well for the work that I need to do for my community. And here, here's the dance, because I've done, d- done a, 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 I got a few national interviews on Ryan's speakership. He's trying to square the circle. He's trying to please the donor class, the big special interests that actually fund the Republican Party, but also throw it red meat to the Freedom Caucus, which unfortunately for them, inconveniently, actually believes the stuff they've been peddling. And so he needs to throw them red meat, like I won't do anything immigration, uh, I'll go after Social Security or Medicare, while at the same time making sure the government doesn't shut down and the money moves to the sources that actually buy influence in Congress. So it's a tough dance. It's going to require a lot of skill by uh, by by our friend Paul Ryan. I put friend in quotes in order to pull that off. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I really was hoping that he wouldn't, um, you know, uh, kowtow to the to this House Freedom Caucus or whatever they call it. I was really hoping he wouldn't, because um, I knew this this would happen. He would step away from those positive remarks. He was starting, you know, not that he actually did anything. I think um, proactively uh, on immigration reform, but he was starting to use those positive talking points that so many Republicans were using. And I saw that as a good thing, leading up to something that could be real. But in the end, um, you know, to, to agree to provisions in an anti-immigrant letter from this caucus, so disappointing. He's not going to go. He's just going to be spinning his wheels in that position. It we sounds prob- like. We probably need to call it the anti-freedom caucus. Calling the freedom exactly. caucus is too nice. Well, Representative, we really want to thank you for taking the time to join us today. Uh, it's been a great conversation, and we look forward to having you on more, uh, certainly as we, we grow our, our new program, but also uh, want to get more of your thoughts as uh, 2016 moves forward. We think goes without saying uh, the Latino community is going to be critical here in Wisconsin, uh, that we are going to be a swing state, and uh, uh, it constituency grows every year, so we look forward to more conversations with you. Absolutely. I'm glad to hear you say that, Matt, and I look forward to, to continuing this fight with Citizen Action Wisconsin, and let's get make sure we get pe- folks enrolled in open enrollment for Affordable Care Act. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Representative. All right. Bye now. So with that, Jorna, I suppose, geez, we should ask the representative what she's doing this weekend. It's got to be more exciting than what the hell we're up to. Jorna, what are you doing? Oh, well, I mean, I'm having an exciting weekend, actually. Yeah. Um, my new horse... Wine-related? You'd be shocked, Robert, <laughs> shocked to hear. Uh, so my new equine, Reno... Georges? No, Reno... Georges? <laughs> ...is going to his very first horse show. George. <laughs> no, George is still broken. <sighs> I'm upset. I'm really... So is George. I think there needs to be a 30-30 on this uh, whole problem here. (laughs) What happened to George? What if I told you that there was a horse named George? Who was on his way to stardom, and his owner left him for Reno. What if I told you? I can already see it, George. Fat, happy. Okay, all right. It was the most incredible horse. What if I told you George got fat? (laughs) So, Robert, what are you doing this weekend? 
Well, sometimes I have work things that are fun things. Matt doesn't believe Good. that's no, possible. No, I believe that's always possible. Work is always so, fun. So uh, I get to go New Orleans for three days. Uh, me and Kevin came. Drinking hurricanes on the streets. For a big summit on how we're going to deal with healthcare costs and transform the healthcare system, but it's at an ice hotel in the Whoa, French Quarter. Watch out, Big Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Craziness is coming. Kevin Kane and, and Robert Craig. Craig. And the other healthcare experts. And healthcare experts Hurricanes from around Wisconsin. Right. Okay, keep going. Sorry. I. Just that's adding it. a little drama. That's it. Okay. That's All right. It. That's it. But that's quarter. everything. That is everything. That's awesome. We're, we're going to see the Facebooks light up <laughs> with the party pictures. I mean, before I leave, the Pitt Notre Dame game is. There up. you go. Yeah. All right. So All right. Go. Well, we look forward to hopefully Pitt will still have a football team after they get play Notre Dame. So anyways, with that, well, what am I doing this weekend? I am actually uh, going to go out on a date with Bonnie. Looking forward to that. Uh, s- some fun. And uh, I get to take the storms uh, and put them up on the house, guys. How's and that Bonnie, for exciting? Bo- Screens are coming Robert down. Type it is. It Bo- is. Bonnie is Matt's husband, uh, wife. Oh, Matt's everyone husband. knows. My husband, yes, Bonnie. Matt is Bonnie's <laughs> husband. She's a sturdy fella. It would be okay if it was the other way because we we are we are progressive podcast. Yes, thank you, Robert. Uh, keep on digging. And with that, we're going to bring this podcast to a close. We want to. Th- Next week here at the battle.